You are listening to Omnis Protocol. I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and I am here with Simon, a.k.a. Vodka Blitz. What's going on, man? Hey, uh, doing well, doing well. Uh, preparing myself, getting in some practice game in preparation for uh, the latest TTS Top Cuts. Uh, glad to be there and glad to play some MCP. Excellent. So, listeners, um, Simon here is one of uh, the qualified or one of the people that made Top Cut with X Men. Actually, ended up going six and zero. Oh. That had to feel pretty good. Oh yeah, that felt great. Just like even going five and zero, oh, and like felt pretty good because I try to have as low expectations as I can. Uh, so being five, then six and zero oh was pretty good. Uh, Honestly, it felt just amazing to have uh, both me and one of my regular uh, friends play uh, as both five and O's in the East bracket. Just like uh, it felt pretty cool. Yeah, that that always feels good. Why don't you do a shout out? Who's the who's your buddy that also went undefeated? Uh, Magic Nick. He went undefeated until uh, our round six, where I beat him. But we were. The two five and O's. <laughs> Shout out uh, turned into a little bit of a, a little jab. I like it. Oh, he was uh, undefeated until he faced me. Yeah, but but, uh, um, uh, but yeah, that felt pretty cool. Like being that uh, two regulars of our store and like community just doing so well in the league. It felt really cool. Well, I imagine your locals are also clearly rooting for you guys. Oh, absolutely. And like yeah. Nick faced a lot of like. Uh, let's say more prominent members of the MCP community. He played against Plush. He played against um, what's it called? Uh, Shadow Marvel. He played yep. against uh, Sooner. He played a lot of like uh, people really with good podcasts. Players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're running and, running the gauntlet, so to speak, but still yeah. manages to have a five and one. And what's oh, so, what's a uh, Magic Nick playing? Uh, Avengers, uh, mostly under Steve. Uh, he was playing all three leaderships until uh, Malekith. And then dropped Hulkbuster? Uh, not in favor of Malekith, though. But just didn't feel like he was going to end up yeah, running or needed like, to make space for... For some Malekith tech. Yeah, that makes sense. Um well, uh, do the, I forget? So, with the top cut, do you guys get to avoid each other round one, or is it still po- is it possible that you guys could have to face right away? Uh, we could face right away for top cut. It's random seating, so that's uh, uh, going to be uh, determined randomly who we face. So I could place people like Morgan Reed or uh, face Nick again. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a surprise. So if you um... If you got to choose one person that you would definitely face during this tournament, is there a player that you would love to try your hand against? Is there someone you're like, oh, I'd love to just like have that game against Morgan, like win or lose to see how it goes? Would you want to play against Pat? Yeah, I think you know, those would probably be my two picks, like Pat Dunford and Morgan Reed, because I feel they're like very, very good players. And uh, uh, I would like to try my luck against them. Uh, so time will tell. So if you only, if you got to pick just one, would you pick Pat or Morgan? That's I know a, the hard questions. Yeah, really put question. you on the spot. Uh, I don't know. I'd be happy with either. Yeah. 
does the affiliation matter at all? See, playing against Guardians versus playing against Avengers? I think I'd prefer to play against Avengers just because it's a worse matchup for me, and I'd rather see, like, uh, how it goes in adverse conditions and, like, how I can pull it together. Yeah. I generally think that the Guardians is, like, not a, you know, they're usually kind of fearing X-Men at least a little, but Pat's uh, Thanos version, I'm not sure if it gives a fuck. It's just going to do the Thanos thing. Yep, that's for sure. Yeah, the Thanos thing is going to happen one way or another, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, it makes me a little sad to not not still have Gene on my roster, but... Uh, not to still have who? Uh, Gene Grey. Oh, gotcha. Kind of stop some of the teleport shenanigans and stuff? Yes. I've really... I've been a big advocate of Gene since she came out. I know people were down on her a lot, but I think uh, both Gene Grey and Cassandra Nova suffer a little from the same... Uh, issues of being very finesse and technical characters. Like, they're not models you field every game, but when they're relevant and when they need to come out, they always do a surprising amount of work. Yeah, I was actually playing Gene in some of the early incarnations of my roster and then just ended up favoring other fives and then wanted the greater variety of threes, which I think is probably a pretty normal situation for x-men players to be in absolutely um but i did i did like her and she's got a really good tactics card yes like Uh, i like mental domination a lot more on gene than cassandra just because gene gray's power economy is a lot better uh yeah i would yeah she can she can actually build power really easily um and so I found I was often getting a lot of work out of her. I was a little sad. I, I don't know about you, but I've struggled to do her uh, matter transmute, transmutation. I thought I would use it a lot. And I found I used it a lot less than than I thought I would. Just because, you know, either you're just like, oh, well, that character's unactivated and I need to activate G now or the range. Like, I yeah. just ended up finding that to be a little bit more restrictive um, in game than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, me too. Like it's came in clutch. It came in clutch once in a while, but I felt like shield mine and just having a size four throw would use her power a lot more often than matter transmutation. Yeah, I mean, I looked at it and was like, oh man, I totally will throw characters short all the time. Um, sometimes the fact it's a push ends up being a problem because yep. um, there's just more things that stop pushes. Um, but. It's still a cool tool to have, but it's not as relevant as I thought it would be originally. Yeah, same same for me. I was glad we were on the same page. All right, well, let's talk about your roster a little bit. Um, do you want to just do a real quick read-through of what you're playing in Top Cut? Yeah. Uh, so uh, the characters I'm playing are Beasts, uh, Doctor Voodoo, Domino, Ghost Spider, Juggernaut, Magic, Malekith, Rogue, Storm, and X-23. My tactics card are Brace for Impacts. Do you know who I am? Obviously. Uh, Escort to Safety, Fallback, First Class, Indomitable, Journey Through Limbo, Midnight Phantasmagoria, Mission Objective, and to meet my X-Men. As for my crises, uh, there's really no surprises there. So, uh, Deadly Meteors, Mutant Mapmen, uh, Spider Portals, Hammers, cubes, and spider infected. 
So just out of curiosity, if do you have like a favorite crisis combination? Like I would probably play spider portals and spider infected all the time if I could. Do you have a favorite combination? Like it would be what you some, enjoy the most? It would be something similar, but I think I prefer mutant madman and spider infected to spider portals, but I'm I'd be happy with either. Makes sense. So, um, I gotta obviously ask, you included Gwen. She yeah. can feel a little fragile at times, but is obviously a really strong character and particularly strong in X-Men. Do you want to share a little bit about what went into that decision? Yeah, uh, Gwen's actually just been one of the characters I've loved the most uh, mechanically in MCP. She brings a ton of control with her impact webbing and her webline, uh, which makes her uh, be able to displace almost every model in a game round one if they're on the if they're on the center line uh, I also like a lot her play sequence with the X-Man jump because uh, her builder spider technique uh, if you've already uh, moved uh, been advanced or place this round uh, this turn uh, she gets an additional one move so you can have her use the X-Man jump strike someone move again and you can even do that again to get effectively two attacks and to move uh two moves in a turn which is like super amazing <laughs> yeah whenever especially a three threat getting to do all of that yeah that can just that can just feel like a ton yeah and yes she's somewhat fragile but i think uh, at least from ranged attack uh storms cover help her a lot a little at least and I feel she just brings, like, so much to the table every time I put her there. Totally reasonable. She's, I played her in the, the three-box challenge I did, and I really enjoyed her. But she, even though she was kind of always on my short list of characters to include in X-Men, um, just hadn't quite gotten there. But you're making me reconsider that. Yeah, she's, she's one of the characters I just have a hard time not playing almost in every affiliation. But I think uh, X-Men uses her uh, better because of the leadership. Yeah, that's fair. Not going to go so far as to say she's, is she best in X-Men? I don't think so, but probably her top three affiliations. Okay. That's, that's still some high praise. Um, okay. Um, I think a lot of your roster kind of kind of speaks for itself, but I was kind of curious, are there were there any matchups that you were heavily thinking about going into going into top cut um that you're like, I need to I need to make sure that I am prepared for this? Yeah, I think uh probably the matchup that scares me the most is uh Steve Avengers, uh, which some of my recent changes for my top cut rosters show. Uh, because before uh, heading to Top Cut, I had a Sword instead of uh, Deadly Meteors in my Secures, and um, Research Station in instead of uh, Hammers. But I think uh, with Malekith, Research Station is a little too dangerous uh, for the for how I play X Men and uh, so Sword, I felt, especially in the harder matchups, was not at, a, at its best. So I switched uh, to Deadly Meteors. That makes sense. Um, curious, like, it, it would seem like you would strike me as the kind of person who would like playing Lizard. 
has he kind of been someone that you've tried and didn't like, or just doesn't quite make the cut? What, where does he stand for you? I think he's, uh, he faces a lot of competition actually. So it's not an indictment against lizard, but I think he has some redundancy with beast. Uh, and I feel like I already have six, three threats in my rosters and they each serve like their own pretty specific purpose. And I felt I didn't have uh, enough room to splash another three. Okay. That's, that's totally fair. Yeah. I mean, the battle for which threes make X-Men is always a really, really interesting conundrum. Yeah. And like, I like a lot of what most threes and X-Men bring to the table. And I love having that flexibility of building that core uh, three, three threats for a core of nine uh, to be as flexible as I, as it can to maximize what I can splash. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I forget, I think we've talked about this a little bit, but obviously uh, I'm a huge fan of Juggernaut in X-Men at this point. I have proclaimed, I think the X-Men Juggernaut is literally the best Juggernaut in the game. Where where do you land on this? Uh, I think I would agree with you because I think the what the X-Men jump enables him to do is really, like, is really impressive. It gives him even more reach than... Uh, he has by himself. And I also like that with his large base and inherent mobility, he can very easily be a good uh, pivot for any of your other characters. Like you can super easily reposition him somewhere to be very relevant for another character to use as a jump point. Yeah, he's just, and man, it feels like sometimes even the things that should be good into Juggernaut, when you're just always getting cover, yeah. it just, if they're putting a lot of work into Juggernaut, it usually takes a minimum of like four attacks to take him down, is pretty normal. And when you negate another four damage on top of that, yeah, and it's, it's like, just... okay, those four attacks would probably have dazed him, but I had cover the whole time. So you've only actually dealt four damage. Like, Yeah, having access to both cover and the damage reduction is just crazy good. It makes him a lot more durable than he already is. Yeah, almost, un almost unreasonably so. It's pretty impressive. Well, and even a lot of the characters that ignore cover are the, they're doing pure physical damage and they're usually lower dice pools. Yeah. So you can just take the hit, use the damage reduction and soak it up pretty well. Yeah. Of course, I swear, Sam always spikes into me. Like, good God. That, if there's someone who will roll five successes on four dice, it will be Sam. Yeah, I think the, like the shield throw characters are the one that are most effective, I think, overall against X-Men. So, like, Steve and Sam are probably the tag team I like playing against the least. Yeah, I can... Yeah, it's... Yeah, it, it's definitely... It's definitely a little frustrating, especially... Um, especially if they've got a third in there somewhere. Like, yeah. they're running, like, Steve, Sam, Venom, and you're just like, oh, my God! Yeah. That, that's, uh, yeah, that's a... Yeah, that's a hard wall to face. Do you have like a an individual character that you kind of dread facing the most or like that seems to give you the most problems? Hmm, that's a good question. I think the one I uh, probably Hulk. Like Hulk is such a menace. He's hard to displace. He brings a lot of control and hits like a truck. Like it's probably the character that I have the hardest time to deal with. 
Yeah, God bless us for having Rogue. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I think really that's where uh, Gwen shines a lot. Actually, just being able to uh, lifesaver characters or um, uh, webline Hulk to at least try to hurt his mobility a little. Uh, her and Voodoo are really like super invaluable tools because without Voodoo, I don't know how I would make Hulk drop his tokens. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a fucking pain in the ass. So yeah, he's a he's a big mean green machine. Um, for the listeners, uh, I have been playing a lot of Hulk lately, trying to fully wrap my brain around him. So I've been both like feeling the pain of like what happens when it's like all I need is Hulk to live and I win, and sometimes he he dies. But <laughs> the other times when you're like, I have like a full health Hulk or She Hulk, they have two damage on them. I'm now holding a gajillion extracts. Suck it. Yep. Um, you have got one round before I win. It's, <laughs> uh, it's a really weird balancing act to like figure out how to play them. I Hulk is definitely on my radar to try in, to try in X-Men. Like who he does like- feel like when you play him well, he's kind of like X-Men in itself where he's one of those like high skill characters that the more you play them, the more you can kind of get out of them and it can just lead to some really great play patterns. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think he brings uh, both an X-Men and Avenger a lot of things you wouldn't expect a big six threat puncher to do. But I like having characters like Hulk just uh, move, use either Steve's leadership or the Stormhop to grab a middle extract or just an extract that's more uh, on the opposing side of the board and just walk back. I think those are like really uh, scenario aggressive play patterns and where surprisingly uh, Hulk shines the most. Yep. I, I would, I would agree with you. And it's just, it's nice sometimes to like have a character that you can have pick up an extract that, you know, is not getting one rounded. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, in the end, I often don't feel like his durability is better than two threes, but it's that, that limited time frame, like where when you have a three pick up an extract, the they're always killable. Yep. But when you have a Hulk pick up an extract, that's just not always reasonable. And so that is something that I would certainly like to like to try in X Men. Yep. That's, um, that's absolutely so, fair. Um, back to your roster for a moment. Uh, you included uh, Brace and Indomitable as your restricted cards. Do you want to kind of give us a rundown of what led to that uh, decision process? Yeah, I think I like uh, the flexibility they bring. They're pretty uh, self-serving cards. Uh, they're pretty like self-explanatory in a sense where Indomitable usually lets you uh, stay on the point or not get thrown or displaced in order to keep your VP advantages. And uh, Brace does something similar where you can just like pay to uh, uh, forego some damage. And I like both, especially uh, with Juggernaut against characters like Hulk or Malekith that can just try to ping pong your Juggernaut around. Uh, it helps uh, mitigate that at least a little. Totally fair. Did you did you try patch up in there at any point? Like, not since the standard rotation. I've been pretty happy with uh, my choice, and I don't feel I've never felt any like situations or scenario where 
patch up would have been like I would have preferred patch up to either of my choices. Mm. I I mean, I was a big well, so out of curiosity, what did you play prior to the standard change? What were your two restricted cards at that point? Uh brace and field dressing, actually. Um, okay. I've always been uh like field dressing is also another high skill card where Sometimes it does everything. Sometimes it wins you the game, and sometimes you had no opportunity to play it. But I felt in X Men, even though they had some, uh, they they had some difficulties building up powers. Just naturally, with their leadership, with Storm's leadership, you keep them uh, paired with the two of each other. So I felt I had a lot of windows to use uh, field dressing very effectively with X Men. Hmm. You know, if you get a break, like after Top Cut or something, I would be very interested to hear your thoughts if you tried Patch Up for a bit. Yep. It obviously, it is something where you, so I come from a spot where I was the player who didn't play Field Dressing. I always played Med Pack. Um, and I've been kind of off Field Dressing for a while. But so my play patterns definitely have leaned towards it. So, you know, maybe that, that's on me. Um but I would be really curious because you, you obviously have been not playing a healing card in them for a long time. I would be really curious if you tested them out for a bit, like, and patch up is a weird one because it's not like med pack where you're just like, Oh, my character takes damage. Now I'm going to activate them. They're going to med pack themselves and do some stuff, which is obviously very easy and doesn't really take a lot of skill. Patch up is weird because it can't be the character who's getting healed playing the card so it's got to be someone else's power but it can be outside of activation yeah and so when i've been showing people like how to use it and like oh well all of a sudden like now before you even decide who to activate you can have this character patch up this character or you can like move this character have them get patched up and then have them move again yeah i I think it has interesting lines of players for sure but I think at least with how I usually tend to build my teams, uh, most my most of my characters, bar maybe X-23 or Beast, uh, can do so much more with their superpowers that I'm not sure I'd, ra- I'd rather uh, stop and heal a character than just like uh, lose some uh, action economy. But yeah. I'll tr- I'm super open to trying it out, especially... Uh, if I want to play more uh, durable characters like Rogue uh, or even Malekith, uh, I'll probably try it out at some point. Yeah, I just mean, like, obviously you're in the middle of Top Cut, focus on your roster. But maybe if, uh, like, during the meantime, you know, sometime between now and LVO, if you got a yep. you got a month to play around with it or something, I would just be very curious to hear your thoughts. If you're like, all right, now it's a lot harder decision, or if you're like, no, I'm definitely going back to Indomitable. It was too important. Yeah, um, for sure. I played Indominal a fair amount, um, like at Adepticon and around that before Standard. Um, and I found it was the card that didn't get played. Like of my five, it was the one that I would most commonly have left at the end. Okay. Um, but obviously part of that may just be because you have the card that maybe they don't spend power on things that um, that they would have otherwise. Like that could certainly be a part of it. Yeah, I think Brace also does that to a certain extent, where sometimes folk would just like withhold some triggers or some superpowers uh, 
because you have the card. And I really like having that dissuasive effect, like kind of Cold War-esque, where, oh, will he pull the trigger? Will they pull the trigger or now on their brace or not? Or will they risk it? And just being able to force your opponents into these situation, I think, is in itself a relevant tool. Yeah, because it's like, you know, I would just, I, I totally get your decision-making process. It makes sense. But it's just like, if I was not playing patch-up, I feel like I would be going to sacrifice. <laughs> probably. Like, that's, if I was not playing Indomitable, my card would probably be Sacrifice. Because Sacrifice was one that I played all the time. And I felt like it would just straight win me games. Well, yeah. It'd be hard to say if it actually won me the game or not, but I feel like Sacrifice was always the card where I'm like, all right, if you want to stop me from winning this turn, you have to make me drop this extract or stop this character from going and interacting on this other point or whatever. And then they're like, I, I attack them, I do two damage, and then I attack them again, I have to daze them, and then I sacrifice, and a different character takes the hit. Yeah, and I feel then Sacrifice it's like, is the card I miss the most from the standard rotation that I've played a lot before. It's just like, it's been, for me, so relevant so often. Yeah, it just, uh, it's it's a hard card. To, <laughs> it's a hard card to let go of. The yeah. one that I didn't play for so long, I, I it's the one I miss the most, for sure. Absolutely. All right. Um, so, um, you, you've mentioned Avengers, um, but obviously you splashed in Malekith. How, what what was the reason for Malekith fitting into X-Men? Like, what kind of meta choice was that? I think uh, Malekith is not an every game model, but I think he can do some really, really scary things uh, in X-Men particularly. I like that if you uh, move a medium-based size character uh, roughly at maximum range two in front of Malekith's deployment... Uh, so with characters like Beast, uh, you can have Malekith jump over them, and then they can get back to they can get with their charge uh, f- to the back Yama and have their attack on the model that's there, and have an action left afterwards. So like just it similarly to Juggernaut, it gives the character an additional reach that's just like crazy good. So and is Malekith? Oh, sorry to interrupt oh, for just a moment. Is he more of a um, matchup dependent drop or more of a crisis dependent drop? Like, is he a pick to help your X Men with Gamma? Yeah, I think he's a lot more crisis dependent than matchup dependent. I feel on uh, scenarios like uh, Gamma Research or more brawly scenarios, he gives me an easy out to have a, like a big relatively durable character, especially with cover. Uh, And uh, Midnight Phantasmagoria uh, shines a lot more in C's and E's. Uh, And those are the two shapes where I would usually uh, field Malekith. That makes a lot of sense. I know it was something like um, Sploosh had some problems with, I think, with Gamma. And um, in general, it can be, like, I feel like I uh, some of my some of my hardest losses with X Men have been on Gamma, and so that's certainly something that I've thought about and I'm like, okay, well, how can I improve my Gamma situation? And it's it's an interesting choice, I think. Um, 
So would that be something like, because a lot of your secures are 17. So would you do something like two threes, rogue, like maybe storm, beast, rogue, and Malekith at 17? Is that something that you've played? Yeah, I think depending on what I face. So if I play, uh, for instance, against uh, Kingpin Criminal Syndicate, I might play Domino for uh, Domino or X23 for more aggression. But I think Storm and Beasts, like together, would always be together with Malekith, if only for the displacement they bring and Beasts medium base. I feel those would be like the three I would bring, and depending on the threat cost, play another character to fill uh, the ma- the need of the matchup. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so I did interrupt you. Did you have any more you wanted to add on that thought? Oh, yeah. Uh, I wanted to also, on Malekith, I think uh, the reasons I like him most in Ease is because I feel his beam is actually his most relevant attack. Uh, because he, ha- I feel he has a similar play pattern to Domino in that sense, where you just want to throw buckets of dice and fish for those explosive turns where you turn two skulls into crits and just do like a three or four crit attack into someone and just chugging that volume of dice very effectively on narrow scenarios I feel is where Malekith is the most efficient. Do you feel like that's specific to playing him in X-Men or do you think that's more of a general feeling on Malekith? I think it's a general feeling on Malekith. Like the, the way to deal that I've found from the like dozen of game I've played against him, I the most effective way I found of playing against him was to limit his action economy. So playing as soon as you're playing in Bs or Ds, uh, where he has to run a lot, if you force him to charge every turn, it's you're already on your way up. And with characters like Ghost Spider that can actually pull models away or at least give them cover from his attacks. Uh, just like getting those small uh, marginal advantages stack up very quickly. And I found that's the best way to deal with him is just outscore him and play the scenario game. And like, if he only has three rounds to go, he's a lot less effective than if he has five. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Okay, so also on your roster, you have elected to run, um, uh, is it a full five X-Men threes? Because you have Storm, Beast, Domino, um, X-23, and Magic. So yeah, you have the five, you have the five threes. You're just not running Gambit. Yes. What was your reasoning for having that fifth three as compared to an unaffiliated three? I like having the, a very flexible core of three, three affiliated characters. And I feel uh, I like magic in certain matchups against, uh, let's say, Criminal Syndicate or uh, Web Warriors, where she can go relatively easy through them. Uh, she is also, after Beast, probably the second most effective uh, affiliated extract runner. Uh, she can, like, if you have her use the X-Men jump over medium base, let's say grab a central cube, then a side cube, she can teleport three every turn, and she's just like super, super mobile. Uh, and like having a character score two or three VP, uh, three threats score two or three VPs every turn is really where it's at. 
totally fair. Um, was there any threes that you you would have really liked to include that you had to make the hard cut? Like, I mean, obviously the answer to that is probably yes, but yeah. What, what what would have been the three that was like competing the most with that magic slot or that um, um, I don't know who would who would be your 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 least likely to fit in? Let's just say that it's magic. Who, who yeah. would be the three that competed with magic for that slot the most? Uh, I think probably Craven. Uh, I like his offensive toolkit a lot in X-Men, the mobility he has. Uh, just being able to grant additional attack dice also is great on characters like Storm and Domino uh, and even X-23. I just feel he has a very interesting uh, toolkit to leverage, uh, but I still prefer like having those five uh, threes to just have like a super flexible core. That makes sense. I will admit, a little surprised to hear Craven. I do like the guy, but I mean, I've also like really liked Zemo. I mean, Zemo's great everywhere, but yeah. handing out a reroll and having another long mover is also something that I've really liked in X Men. Yeah, so it, I, I like it's hard. Just, There's like a gajillion characters that would fit that slot. Yeah, uh, Craven. What I like about Craven is like if he's a little like Gwen, if he's been advanced or placed, he gets additional movement. So, like, just being able to do, like, the same attack, same as Gwen, like, attack twice and move twice every turn is a very nice thing to have. And, like, he's relatively tanky with his defensive reroll. Uh, and the, his ability to uh, deal damage to a character if they move or are advanced, I think, is pretty interesting. If How good is it? I don't know. I haven't played him enough, but he's probably in my list. Uh, otherwise, Mystique would probably be the the other three I'd play. Mm. All all very interesting choices. Obviously, adding deception to the mix is a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. I can certainly see that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's talk. Um, let's talk a little about your games. What do you think was the hardest matchup for you this season for X Men? Uh, probably my sixth, my last game against Avengers. I feel X-Men is a relatively generalist theme. I don't think they have, like, terrible matchups, but they don't have, like, matchups where they're super advantaged. Uh, but I feel yeah, it's Avengers... a lot of, like, 55-45 sort of situations. Yeah, exactly. I feel Avengers probably the hardest because... Uh, they have a lot of characters that have physical attack that ignore cover uh, with Steve and Sam, and I feel that leverages um, their more attrition side enough, and like their pool of affiliated characters is great. Uh, Avengers Assemble is a great card. They just, I feel they, they're the affiliation that has the most tools going into X-Men. That's fair. And that was your game against Nick. Uh, which is one of my locals. It was a super nice game to play. Uh, and as we both discussed like before the game, uh, we both knew uh, going into it that whoever won prior was probably advantaged a lot just because leveraging first class for that double interaction on turn one is so huge, especially if you're playing against another scenario team. Uh, it makes a super big difference uh, in the VP race. Both and, sides want to grab the center extract as well, probably. Yeah, and like, I know uh, Nick uh, Nick and I 
uh, since we started playing together MCP. Uh, we've grown, like, our play styles grew a lot together into very control and scenario-focused uh, types of play. So we knew going into that game that just uh, prior would matter a lot. Yeah. Do you think there's anything that X-Men players can do? Like, if you were to make suggestions about roster selection that would help you out with, like, hey, this is already a really priority-focused matchup. What characters help you the most in that Avengers matchup when you lose Pryo? Uh, I think it depends on what your opponent plays, but I feel uh, Rogue and uh, Gwen are... uh, Rogue and Magic, actually, are like the best going into Avengers. Uh, Because even if Magic is relatively fragile, she can uh, use her Limbo Step to close the gap, and she's pretty efficient at going through Steve, at least on his healthy side, and Sam. And Rogue, just having access to mutant absorption to hurt uh, Steve's power economy does a surprising amount of work. I found that just uh, denying him the power to bodyguard, raise his shield, uh, and do a spender worked super, super well. Just depriving him of his toolkit was surprisingly efficient. Nice. Um, so past Avengers, what do you think is, um, wh- what do you think was your, your second most difficult game of the season? Uh, I think I had a very tight game against uh, Black Order on round four, where I really won it through, uh, I was super lucky to close that game. Uh, it was against Black Order, uh, which I feel is a good matchup for X-Men usually. Uh, my opponent played, played his game super, super well, and it came down to Corvus with Reality uh, trying to flip a Mutant Madman trap to stop me from winning the game. Uh, it was uncontested since his Corvus had Day's Storm, so he had to roll one success on the trap and failed, and that won me the game. Like, if and had to go on for another turn, I'm not sure I could have won it. So it was not one where, like, the flip literally determined the winner, but very easily could have because you're not sure you would have survived another round? Yeah. Like, it made me win on the spot instead of going into another round, but if it had gone through another round, I'm not sure I would have survived. Yeah, that can always be a tough spot. It does. It did seem like there was a couple of games where... Um, like a, a, a an individual portal flip has like or extra or secure flip in general, not portal specifically or madmen specifically, because like um, LSO got kind of decided by like uh, you you have to go flip these or lose. And yeah. I know like Sploosh lost a game where if he had gotten a three dice flip, like it would have. Yeah, it's just uh, we we've had some Change really everything. really close games. That's why I love also about X-Men, just having access to first class to always double interact on pay-to-flips is such a huge tempo advantage. Do you ever find that you save um, first class, or do you always play it round one? When I started playing around with the X-Men, I tried playing it on later turns, but felt that like just being able to double interact on one and one is... I don't want to say always the correct choice, but in 99.9% of the case, it's the right one. 
Yeah, I feel like I do it almost a little automatically, and I wonder if I should ever save it. But just the ability to grab extracts and interact, it just feels like it sets up the power situation pretty well. Yeah, like when I tried it, it's always felt like it always felt that it could have been better on turn one. Like I was yeah. never satisfied with keeping it for a later turn. Like it was always, I was always worse off. Yeah, because I mean, the power that you save, you have for the other turns anyway. So it's just really, is there is there a turn where you think like, you know, maybe if we had a long mover or something where you're like, oh, this person, you know, but again, they they might still have power, right? You know? Yeah. And like, it also sets up a uh, nice round two. For instance, usually with Rogue, I try to interact only one uh, once to have power for that charge or that mutant absorption on round two. Uh, same for, uh, like, she's probably the most relevant character. Uh, Domino, not that much, because I think, and that's my Domino hot take, I think her grenade is usually a trap, unless you're going to... I don't mean the Domino, I just, or not for the grenade, I just mean to, like, make sure you have power for, uh, um, for the, uh, probability manipulation. Yeah, on round one, it's not so bad, uh... But yeah, it's it's another one of these characters where like you're glad to have that one power on turn one. Yeah, and sometimes the thing that people don't realize is just how much it makes a difference being able to like grab a um, center extract or or and then still be able to brace. Yes, like that that was the example I was about to use. Like just being able to almost always brace to brace on your affiliated character on round one is super relevant. Like, I've been punished before by being a little greedy and double interacting and having characters like Storm or Gambit uh, overexposed and not having the power to brace. Yeah, that's that's always rough. Okay, so um, you're going into Top Cut. We I think we established that there was two other X-Men players. Yeah. Do you have any do you, do you want to make a hot take prediction of uh, what? How do you think you're going to do overall in Top Cut? There's Ooh, I really... five rounds? Oof, I wish. I have yeah. really no There's idea. I just want to go with, like, as a, as an open mind as I can and just do my best, play to my outs. I try to have, like, as few expectations as I can just to, like, always keep my head in the game as much as I can and just focus on what I can do to win. Like, of course, I'm aiming for the top, but just, like, I'm super glad that having made the top cut in my second season of the TTS league, uh, it's been pretty rewarding. Like I've liked the games I've played. Uh, I think I played pretty, pretty well overall and just like, I'm happy to be here and play some more MCP. How would you feel if you got to play Nick in the finals? If you guys got to rematch your Avengers X-Men in the final game, how cool would that that dream? Like, to meet again in the finals like that was the the joke we made to our local play group when we both got into this tts league we were like oh watch out nick and i are gonna play in the finals of the east bracket and uh we're gonna face each other like final countdown and having it actually happen afterwards was super hilarious it was super super cool so if you guys got to duke it out for the finals, do you have a preference? Like, who would you want to stream it? Ooh, that is a 
good question. Uh, I think probably I don't watch that many streams of MCP, uh, but probably from the ones I know, uh, Norbert would be cool. I think I like his style usually, and they yeah, do, it's uh, a, it's a great mix of comedy and just general like you know friends interacting mixed yeah. with good strategy talk and stuff too. Yeah, I, I can yeah, I, think, I can concur with that one. Yeah, I think they're like well balanced overall, and that's what I like. They good. They have good readings of the games usually, which is sometimes which can be sometimes pretty hard since you're either not hearing the players or like sometimes it can be hard to see who's doing what and what's their game plan. And so I like I think they have pretty uh, reasonable lectures of the board states. All right. So I know that you may not know exactly what Nick's. Um top cut roster is at the moment but if you got to have that matchup um what would you what would your choice obviously you probably want to win priority yeah. choose secures what would you what would you want what would be the perfect crisis combination for you i think the one that would be best for me oof, that's a tough question i think uh it would probably be spider infected for extracts for sure uh and for secures because i know like i know his final roster for the league uh, since we're like uh dojoing a lot to get uh a lot of games uh, in our play group this week in preparation for the finals yeah um but i think probably spider infected and spider portals would be my best case scenario i can i can see that obviously i like that combination um, who else from your community is going to make it to uh, LVO? Is it uh, is it just you? Is Nick coming? Like uh, Nick can't. I have another one of our regulars that's coming with me uh, to LVO uh, that also got his ticket uh, today. So we're pretty pumped to be going over there this year. Uh, hopefully next year we'll have a bigger. Uh, we'll be a, a little more joining the the crew. That's cool. You said you had a pretty big um, overall crew, like 20 to 30 regular players that kind of all practice against each other and help mostly, each other get better. Mostly around 20. We have like a pool of 20-ish players that come in and come out depending on like real-life responsibilities. Like some of them have either demanding jobs or demanding children or both. And so like you play in the games you can, but we have a pretty good... Uh, regular group and people are super nice. We have a great store to play in uh, that doubles as a restaurant and a bar, so you can have like drinks delivered to your table while you play, and it's just amazing. Nice, uh, yeah. It's oh, it's it's great having a game store like that. Yeah. Um, curious. One final question. I don't know how tough of a question this will be or not. How are you feeling about X Men into Malekith teams? What what's your thought on that? And like, do you have a specific plan for what you want to drop into that sort of thing? Like, what are you thinking? I think X Men are reasonably good into Malekith meta. I think having access to uh, defensive tech, like uh, I'm playing escort to safety. Uh, I've been playing escort to safety since the standard rotation, but it doubles down on my choice. Uh, against Malekith, same goes for Fallback. Uh, Spider-Gwen is just even better going into uh, Malekith. But I think 
what favors X-Men the most against them is they, at least how I play them, they want to leverage early scenario pressure as much as they can and then consolidate and just play a little more cagey. And I think that's uh, that's a very effective way of playing against Malekith and it's something you naturally want to do with X-Men or at least how I play them. So it's not that much of a hindrance to like tech or play around him as I feel it is for other teams. Yeah, kind of the 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 main X-Men plan is already kind of what Malekith doesn't want to play against is essentially what you're where yeah, you're going. Exactly. And like the scenario um layouts that X-Men excel the most, which are the ones where you want high mobility. So these and these are the ones where Malekith is uh, less effective than C's and E's. Fair. Um, do you have any characters on your roster that you kind of avoid or lean towards in the Malekith situations? I think unless I'm playing uh, specifically Mutant Madman and something else, uh, Juggernaut is a character that I wouldn't play into Malekith. But I feel, uh, especially with his energy builder, which is already Juggernaut's weakest defense, uh, the Pierce and uh, the fact that it throws Juggernaut afterwards, like all uh, compounded together, I feel Juggernaut is probably the only character in my roster that I wouldn't want to play against Malekith. Any characters in your roster you like or almost certainly play if you're facing Jugs? Or uh, sorry, if you're placing Malekith? Yeah, uh, Gwen for sure. Uh, probably Domino too, because uh, she helps mitigate his uh, uh, what's it called? Mental of Darkness or Mental of Stars. The the ability that's similar to Domino's. But Cloak since of she, Shadows? Yeah, I think? Cloak of Shadows. Uh, but since she stops crits from exploding, it puts a hard ceiling on what Malekith can do, and she can pretty effectively go into him too, because it works on reverse. Like since yeah, she can still she can still do her pseudo dice modification. Yeah, into him. So like probably Domino and Gwen are the characters I like the most going against Malekith. Is there a particular place like does does it matter at all which affiliation is playing Cabal into you or like playing Malekith? Is it like worse if it's Cabal? Is it better if it's something else? Like any thoughts there? I think the one that probably scares me the most would be uh, Malekith under uh, Kingpin Criminal Syndicate. Mm. Because just being able to count twice for secures uh, that are not paid to flips means he puts an insane amount of scenario pressure in addition to his pretty effective attrition uh, uh, play. Yeah, that, that can certainly be a lot. All right. Well, if uh, if my listeners want to find you anywhere, do you have any content or shout outs that you want to do? Um, like, you know, if one of people want to ask you X-Men questions, where would they go? Yeah, uh, they can find me on more on most uh, MCP discords under Vodka Blitz. Uh, I also have uh, X-Men themed blog that I run like as often as I can. Uh uh, where I write like articles and reviews and things like that, specifically around X-Men. Uh, so it's MCP first class. Uh, you can find it pretty easily or just ping me. I'll send you 
links. Uh, I have good uh, intro articles on how to set up uh, X-Men jumps on the first turn, either for secures and extracts. Uh, and just like, I try to be as uh, new player friendly as I can, especially in those like sequencing uh, patterns, because they're the things, they're, it's, Proper uh, good sequencing is the thing that's hardest to master with X Men, and I feel that like uh, having a good intro or tutorial to what it can do and how it can be leveraged uh, is key into uh, playing them well. Yeah, there is a lot to learn with X Men, and it's definitely one where you can realize after the effect and be like, "Oh, if I had placed that character just slightly further forward, this would be so much better for me." Or that character needed to be just slightly further back. And that stuff is not all this. It's really unobvious for quite a while. Yeah. It's an affiliation. That's hard. That's easy to play poorly, but rewards playing, playing it. Well, I feel the super rewarding to play. Well, like when you can sequence those good jumps and those set and like set up uh, the leadership to enable some crazy plays or give some characters, uh, a lot of reach, it feels super rewarding, at least for me. Yes. And it it just requires a lot of setup and it requires a lot of like preemptive thinking and planning. Like you have to be thinking about which potential jumps are you going to want to do? Um, and some of those decisions are like really subtle. Like sometimes it's like, oh, I have to have this character in this position just in case this other character wants to double move and hop. And Yeah, exactly. And I feel like it, it comes mostly with practice. Like the best advice I can give any anyone wanting to pick up X-Men is just don't get discouraged early on because it can feel pretty bad to like misplace your characters or just don't place them uh, in a very effective manner. But once you get the hang of it, it feels really awesome. Yeah, keep the keep the leadership in your mind as often as possible, even if it's not something you're going to use right then, just be thinking about like every time you move a character, take a moment and just consider, am I going to want anyone to hop? <coughs> am I going to want anyone to hop off this character? Yeah. Like, you know, maybe also, not even this round, maybe the beginning of next round and just like, yeah. try to have that in your mind. Yeah. And just also like when you're playing, just sometimes it's worth taking the time to, what if I hop now? What more can I do? Like, what does it enables me to do? Yeah, it's... Oh, God, it's such a good leadership. Yes, I, I've really... I've always been a big fan of Storm's leadership. And I feel like now that they have the roster depth to really use a well, it feels so good. Yeah, there's part of me that's like, you know, all the people crapping on x-men for so long may have helped us overall because to a certain extent it kind of feels like getting x-23 and rogue feels like a lot for yeah. what's a really good core already yeah like that's one of the things i liked when the latest mutant wave came in since i had already a lot of practice with like the the first half of the x-men releases when the new like the, the characters that are now basically stapled into the roster, like X-23 and Rogue, like you, it just felt like a huge power-up, like, right at once. Yeah, and it's just like, we were already solid, and now we feel like, I still think X-Men is in conversation for the, the best affiliation. 
I agree. Like definitely in my book, still definitely top three for Yeah. Avengers is a is a hard nut to crack, but Yeah. But But definitely Add close, very close to the top. All right, Simon. Well, I really appreciate you recording with me, man. This has been a fun journey for everyone. I love talking X-Men. I actually kind of wanted to do this a week or two ago, but I was like, I can't do like three X-Men episodes in a row. Yeah. So. Yeah, I get that. Like, they're so fun to talk about, right? It's just, <laughs> just, it's so dynamic and exciting and like, oh yeah, I can jump and do this. It's, just, it's so easy to get sucked in. Yeah, and there's a there's a lot of different X Men players all doing just like something just a little bit different, and I just kind of want to talk with everybody. Um, so I'm really glad this timing worked out, and man, you know, good luck to you in the top cut. You know, obviously, you know me, I want an X Men to go all the way. Yeah, so am I. I'm hoping I do well. Fingers crossed for the top cut. Well, you've already done six and zero, so you've already represented well for X Men. So no matter what. You have done fantastic. I know, like, whenever I've gone into something, I'm like, just don't lose round one. Just don't lose round one. But I, I cannot stress enough that just, like, I think it's great for the X-Men community as a whole, just seeing players that, you know, get that get that undefeated right off the bat. And I'm sure no matter what, you're going to have some really great games. Um, and so, listeners, going to wrap things up here. And I will just say the most OP thing that you can do is bring in Gwen, have the most OP3 threat with the most OP faction, because that's how Simon does it. Later, nerds.